0: Well, good morning for City Church. Good morning. Thanks for being here today. So I'm Rick Hazel, one of the pastors here, one of the ministers here, along with you serving in our community. I'm so glad that you're here. We have started this series. Today is the second week in our series on Transformed. And it all talks about how does God change a person? And, and last week we gave out these little objects, these little Rubik's twists, and you could shape it and mold it into whatever you wanted. So if that was you shaping your life, or if it's God shaping your life, what is it that you want your life to look like? Because there's a lot of different things that we can do with our life. And so in this series, what we want to talk about are a couple of things. How, how can a life be changed? How can I move from my current state to my ideal state? This is life as I know it right now, but if I were to sit back and picture what would life be like with God? I mean, if I were to really to do life well, you know, and how do I get from here to here? And so that's what this series is all about, so before I really jump into it, I just want to tell you, Thank you for all the hard work that you've put into around our community in this, uh, in, in this organization. We have a lot of people who are working in the back, working with our children in our nursery and out front and serving coffee and all, I mean, just a lot of people working along with you, even out in our community. We have a new shepherding ministry where 21, 22 different families are pouring into the lives of other people. Our lift ministry continues to grow, and speaking of that. Uh, I, this week, I was able to be down at the Pensacola Bay Center. They had a, a, a big event, and they had, I don't know, about 11, somewhere between 11 and 1,400 people. I actually don't know how many people that they had there. So I'll just, Preacher's Counts, 1,400, Truth was probably 1,000, right? And so there were a lot of people there, and and, and they were talking about how do we help the community and how do we help the children in our community, and they gave out these awards and they gave five awards, and, and, and uh, there was a, an award called the Melba Myers Award. And they, they gave some stuff to a, a police officer on, who's done a lot in the community, to uh, uh, someone who is in the education system in schools, a principal at a school, and how she's taken the grade of the school who were two years ago, they had a failing grade in their curriculum and now they have a B grade and and she's just transformed a whole school. Unbelievable woman. And just different organizations. And then they recognized you. And so I got to go and receive in your honor an award called the Melba Myers Award which is given to a faith organization that has done... A lot in the community to help hurting children in our community, so uh, on your behalf we we're able to receive you just won the Melba Myers award recognized from the city for what you 've done and hurt yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I was so proud and uh, and people came by, and so the the first city church name and listen it 's not that we just want people to lift up first city church or look and say hey you 're great, but it 's the fact that You've been pouring into helping other people, and we've inserted ourselves into this one area where there's a lot of pain in our city, especially around our children, and 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 the city has recognized what you have done, and and they just want to tell you thank you. You may not know it, but we started uh, this lift ministry in February, and here in less than a year, we have ministered to, reached out, and at least in some way connected with and helped over 80 foster families in our county and in our area and that's a lot right and so we started with just learning how to support well those three or four families in our church who was doing foster care and that's really grown and so we have more families doing foster care now. And, and then we started reaching out to churches who said, hey, how can we do at our church what you're doing at yours? And so we had a meeting. We had 54 people at that pastor's luncheon. There's another one November 7. Coming up, we expect more churches to get involved. God is just good. And, and so this seed of serving for no agenda other than just God has called us to rescue widows and orphans. And he said, there's nothing more pure that you can do with your time than helping these hurting children in your community. And you've done it, and God has put his blessing on it, and he's expanding your influence in town. And I'm just telling you, just as a a grateful minister, just just one of you, thank you. Now, what it's done in our church is created compassion fatigue. We have a lot of people pouring out their life in helping these children, these families, all over in our community. I'm finding myself these days sitting, spending more time in a courtroom. You know, just watching how this intersection between hurting children who are removed from a home, uh, civic city organizations who partner to, to help that transition, foster families who get involved in the mix all coming together and trying to do something for these children. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people who are on the front lines of this battle helping with a lot of children. On the other hand, there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot of work to do. There's a a lot of stuff that just falls through the cracks and where people don't partner well. But for this FFN organization to come and say, hey, First City Church, we've never had a church before to just come and say, we're gonna partner with you and we're gonna help resolve this in our community. And it's allowing us to rethink how we do everything and find newer and better resources. And I'm just telling you, God is good and thank you, thank you, thank you. But I know it's it's wearing a lot of really good people out. And so, because of that, we're doing this series on how to rest in the Lord. And we've decided that we wanna... We want to simplify what we do as an organization so that we're not asking you to spend way too much time so that we're not being overbearing because you would do it. I mean, if we said we need your help, th- your hearts, you would do it. You you are doing it. And what we want to do is we want to give you some time back and create more space, more room for you to just abide with God and then let him lead you into these places because we know Lift is gonna grow. There are more hurting children to get to and God is opening up these doors and we need to have the the space, the energy, the capacity to go where God is calling us to go. So November 10, which Savannah was talking to you about, we're gonna have Orphan Sunday. And on that day, we're gonna go to one service. So one 10 a.m. service. So starting on November 10th, there's going to be one service, so you'll get to see all the people in first service who sit in your seat, and, and we'll make room for them. They'll go, hey, that's my seat, and you'll say, no, I've been sitting in this seat for two years, and, and together, you'll meet your people who think and want to sit right exactly where you sit, and just make room for them, and so you'll find people who are parking in your parking space. And so we'll have to work all of that out, right? Or or who's standing in line getting your favorite coffee or the line's gonna be longer in the children's ministry, it's gonna be fun. And and together, we're gonna come together as one church. It's gonna be great, right? And we're gonna start on on that 10th. Now, what is the opportunity that Savannah was talking about? Well, remember these 80 families that we've reached out to and that we've been partnering at least in some degree with? We want to provide them a Thanksgiving meal. And so Savannah and Amy and a couple of people just started going to different places, Cracker Barrel and Publix and other places, just figuring out who can offer us some kind of a deal where we can feed a foster family for Thanksgiving. And and the best deal, in fact, I just, I I just want to honor Publix. If anybody in here works there or knows anybody who works there, this lady who heads this stuff up for Publix called us, and she said, we want to partner with you in this and for $50 we will feed a family of 7 to 10 with a turkey and dressing and fixings and vegetables and gravy and and just a whole i'm mean, a whole it's so good i want one i'm just like can i get one of those please $50 and so we have downstairs two trees over across from the welcome desk downstairs two trees and on the tree there's a bunch of leaves and each leaf has a denomination, either $50 or $25. And if you, now this is on top of your regular contribution, your ties and offering, all that stuff. This, if you want to bless a family, who a, a foster family who's reaching out to children and giving them a good safe home, then, uh, then, then take one of those cards. And we have someone, in fact, Randy Lawrence is going to be sitting at the desk. And you can take one of the leaves, and it has a number on the stem. That number is, a, is attached to a foster family. So we'll write down your name that you've taken the leaf. You can write a check if you want to write a check to First City Church and, and Orphan Sunday or however it is that you want to give. We'll take care of all that. We have a basket downstairs for that. If you didn't come prepared to give today, then just work that out with Randy, and we'll figure it out. But you can take $150 and it'll feed a family. There's some for 25 You can partner with somebody else and say, hey, why don't you go in half and I'll go in half. And we'll do it together and we'll feed a foster family. We had some people who took two or three families. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, we want to bless these you know, families that we've been dealing with and working with. And just say, we love you. Thank you for pouring your life into children. We want to pour our life into you. Okay, so that's your opportunity. So as soon as service is over, you can go downstairs, take a leaf, talk with Randy, write all the information down. And then on the 10th, on Orphan Sunday, we're going to have all these little baskets up here. You don't have to deliver the food. You don't have to go do all of the shopping. In that basket, there's going to be a $50 gift certificate from Publix explaining everything. All we're going to do is deliver those baskets to the families And they'll go shopping whenever they're ready, whenever they may go next week, if they want a meal immediately, or they may wait till Thanksgiving. It's up to them. All we want to do is bless them, right? And so that's what's going to happen on the 10th. And so you can go today, get leaves. And the first service, I think they took over half of the meals. And so you can get the other half. And if there's more, if there's more of you that want to give, then we have families, we'll make sure it gets to somebody who is in need and could really use a blessing from God. And so it's up to you, however however many you want to do, if you want to do any, and thank you, by the way, just thank you, thank you for your generosity. Then on that day, you'll come up, and after our communion, you'll match the number, you'll get the basket, and then your family can deliver it to one of these foster families. And you can just say, on behalf of First City Church, thank you for what you do for these children in our community. Thank you for loving them. We just want to tell you, God bless you. And that's it. And God to put his blessing on top of it. And I'm just telling you, I'm just proud to be a part of all the stuff that you're doing. Is that good? Now, second thing. After November 10, we're planning on staying at one service through the holidays. All the way through November, December, and through our 21 days of prayer in January. Because we're tired and I, I'm just talking with a lot of people. And you just pour your life into people. And, and we want to pour our life back into you. We have volunteers who work two services down to all over this place. And we want to just say, we're going to come together as one church. And we're going to simplify, give you half of your Sunday back. You know? And we want to just rest in the Lord. And then together, at the end of our 21 days of prayer, we'll ask God, okay, God, when do you want us to go back to two services? We want the the growth and the health of our church to lead us back to two services, not just because that's what we want to do. or You know what I'm saying? And so we're, we want to listen to you, and we want to find out, man, are you finding rest in the Lord? And if so, okay, now let's use our energy to go into the community and be the people of God to who he's called us to be. So that's what we're planning. You'll hear more about that as we move forward. Today, I want to talk about this rest in the Lord. So if you have your outline in front of you, you can see in Galatians 4, Paul was talking about all of the energy that it took to help this church in, Gal- in uh, Galatia get started. And he said, my dear children, for whom I again in pains of childbirth, until, I love this line, Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. Paul's like, it took all this energy to get this church started, to get you to see Jesus Christ, to give your life to him, and to focus on him. And then I left and started some other churches, and now I'm getting a report that you, your attention is somewhere else. Your attention is not focused on the things of God and, and, and it's perplexing me, so I feel like I need to come back and again pour all this time into helping you get back you know, in line. So here's what I think he's saying. This is what I would say to you today. The goal of life is to spend eternity with God. Amen? That's what God is calling us. So the goal for you should be heaven. Isn't that an old hymn that we used to sing? This world is not mine. I'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up yeah see you remember the song and it's just a simple rhyming this world is not where I, I was not made for this world I'm made for heaven now while I'm here the world wants you to believe that this is all there is that there is nothing after this life And so they're going to distract and pull you into a lot of different directions, wanting you to fill up all of your time with everything that the world has to offer. And God quietly calls back, be still and know that I am God. And so the world's going to keep us very busy. But I'm just reminding you, we're on a path and the path is heaven. So every time we gather My role is to just remind you, hey, where are you headed? Where are we headed? We're headed to heaven. We're headed home. How are you doing? What's keeping you from getting there? How can I help? How can we help each other? What is it that God's calling us to do? Don't take your eyes off. Encourage you. Build you up. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. See you next week. (laughs) Right? Because we just need the reminder. Our job is to encourage one another. And prepare for the day that's coming when God will call us home. So, what's distracting us from that? Well, in the middle of all of that, God says there's, there's one thing, and I want to show it to you from the Hebrew writer, that today God still calls us to his rest. I believe that everything begins with carving out time with God. Now, God calls it, Resting in him, abiding in him. And so whatever your translation says, he's like, if you'll abide in me and I in you, then you'll bear much fruit. You'll find rest for your soul. And so what do you mean abide in you? And how do I do that? When did that start? And so the Hebrew writer reminds us it started way back with Moses. So number one on your outline, if you're writing down, God's rest begins with complete faith. And so God's like, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. I want you to follow me, and I will lead you home. And we're like, yes, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what usually happens is we find that our life is in distress. We find out that we need rescuing. There's something going on that's not going right, and And I I got bad news from the doctor. I got bad news from my employment. I got bad news from my spouse. I got bad news from my neighbor. I got, and and I'm overwhelmed. And we cry out, God, save me. God, rescue me. God, help me. And he does. And then after that, what happens? What we found, especially through the Old Testament, is that people just went back to living the same life they were living without God. And God's like, that's that's not how I want this to work. And so the Hebrew writer talks about it, how it began with Moses. Look at what he said in Hebrews 3, verses 7 8, and then I'm going to read 10 and 11. This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. Now, by the way, two things. He's talking about Moses. Number two, this is a direct quote from Psalm 95 and so if you're, if you're taking notes just write down Psalm 95 and when you get home later read it and just study it and see how all of this begins to work together and so he's like there was this moment there was this time there was this group of people and they cried out to me I rescued them and then they turned their back on me and he continues I was so angry with him and I said their hearts always turn away from me they refuse to do what I tell them So in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Now that's just, it sounds so harsh. But what he's saying is there was this moment in time when these Israelites, having been 400 years in slavery in Egypt, they cried out to me. And I chose Moses and I went and rescued them. And I brought them out and I said, I want to take you to this land flowing with milk and honey I will be your God and you will be my people and they're like we don't want to (laughs) go and God's like but it's what I'm calling you to it's what you were asking they're like yeah we just wanted to be rescued we didn't mean that we wanted to give you our whole heart it's we, we we don't want you to tell us what to do we just wanted you to make our life easier So look at what he said in verses 16 through 19. And who was it who rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpse lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. God's like, you cried out to me and you said you wanted to be rescued and I rescued you. And I wanted to bring you to a place where you would abide with me and I would abide with you. I would be your God and you would be my people. And you said, we don't want to go. We just wanted to be We just wanted our life to be easier. We didn't want to give you our life. And so immediately it makes me think, okay, is that me? Do I cry out to God when my life is falling apart? But when he rescues me and I find safe place again, I still don't want to give him my whole heart. I'm like, thank you, I'll take it from here. And I just keep going in my direction only to get lost, hurt, and wounded again and have to cry out again, be rescued again, and hard-headed again. Can anybody relate? See, God, we we, we want you to make our life easy. And God's like, no, I want to make your life better even if it's harder, and that's the deal. He said, I want you to come into this land, and, and go if you want, just go look at it and explore it. They went, and they said, there are giants living in that land. There are powerful people living in that land, and it's going to be harder, and we don't want to do it. You can't make us, right? And God's like, I, I didn't. I told you I would take care of the people. I would drive them out before you. They're like, we don't want to do it. And so for 40 years, God let them do what they wanted. And they stayed where they wanted to stay. And he said, you will never experience my rest. And I think that's something that we need to hear. And it could be that there are those who are here today who are saying, I really want the rest of God. I want the peace of God. I want the comfort of God. I want the joy of the Lord But I want to be in charge of my own life. Thank you. And what he's saying is, you'll never find it. Until you're willing to give up and surrender to God, the peace that you're longing for will always elude you. But I want my life to be easier. God's like I'm not, my job is not to make your life easier. My life is. My job is to bring you home and that way is not the easiest path. I know it's not the easiest path and he's saying if you'll trust me it will be the better path and you will find safe passage for your soul. But for whatever reason a lot of people drop out right there and so he said because of their unbelief God couldn't take them any further. Now, not only was it their unbelief, but number two, their lack of faith led to disobedience. If you're not going to let God direct your life, then that means you're subject to or open to anything else that steps in and offers something better. And he said, that's what happened next. So after that whole, just the history, after that whole generation died out and Moses was gone, Joshua took his place And the children of those people who didn't want to go with God are now with Joshua. And Joshua says, okay, let's go into the land. And if you'll do things God's ways, then he'll give you this land and you will find rest for your soul. Were they able to do it? Well, yes and no. They certainly crossed the Kidron Valley they certainly crossed the river they certainly went over and their first fight was against Jericho and God started winning all these amazing battles in fact he won that battle so amazingly all they had to do is was circle around the city and blow some trumpets and shout hallelujah praise the Lord whatever it was they shouted and the walls came down and they're like my goodness God does go before us and then they were feeling great And then they were like, hey, you know what? We're pretty cool people. We're pretty good warriors. We're awesome. And then they began to disobey God because he told them, drive them all out. Get rid of all the enemy. Do not let these little things continue to stay. Get rid of everything that doesn't belong to God because if you don't, it's gonna come back and hurt you. So we read in chapter 4 now, verse 8. Now if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, which means he, he wasn't able to get the people there, then God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. Now he's talking about you. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So, let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And so, Joshua leads these people into the Canaan land, into the promised land. And at first, it starts off great. And then they get to feeling a little haughty. And then they had a defeat. And then they said, God, what did we do wrong? And they were scared. He said, you took your eyes off of me. You didn't ask for my help. You thought, we'll take it from here. And you see where that got you. And so they're like, you're right, you're right, you're right. And so then they won a couple of big battles. And then after they had defeated some mighty armies, all the rest of the people of Canaan began to be scared. And they're like, okay, we'll leave if you want us to leave. We'll leave if you want us to leave. If, if God has given you this land, we understand. But don't make us go. We'll be your slaves. We'll work for you. You can dictate what will happen next. And the people said, okay, you can stay. We would like to be bosses for a change. And God's like, don't do it. I told you, get rid of everything that doesn't look like God. And if you don't, it's going to come back on you. And it's not going to go well. And they didn't listen. We can take it from here. I'm in control of it. My drinking's not a problem. (laughs) My anger's not an issue. And if they would leave me alone, I never would blow up at them. Oh, no! I don't need to do that. It's just, that's not a problem. I got that. God's like, all you're doing is compromising. I have, you said, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I was baptized. I gave my life to God. And now what? Now it's like, well, God's like, I want to drive out everything in you that does not look like heaven. And we begin to compromise. Well, no, that's okay. That can stay in my life. No, that can still be a priority. I got that. I can manage that. That's not going to be a big deal. God's like, I don't want you partnering with people who are going to take you away from me. And we're like, God, I... have look, you got me, I got my relationships. I know you're not on Facebook, but that's where I like to be. I want to find somebody wherever I want to find somebody. I'm looking for whatever I want to look for. And we begin to compromise, and our compromise paralyzes our growth. And it comes back, and next thing you know, The children of Israel, just let them stay there. Next thing you know, they're marrying each other. They're starting to serve the gods and the idols of all these others. And the children were growing up, and they did not know God, and it did not work. And so what he's saying is, if you want your life to be transformed, number one, you got to start and just Dedicating a certain amount of your time only to God and then trusting him. You just finished singing the song and I will, you know, live my life upon the rock. It's a firm foundation. It is my holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. So we just sang that song. And which is easier to sing than to live. But God, all I want to do is just focus on you. And God's like, well, then let me help you weed out all the stuff in your life that doesn't look like me. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll get to that next week. Which turns into the next, which turns in. And next thing you know, your life is hurting And you're wondering why God is not rescuing you. And he's like, I'm wondering why you didn't give all that stuff up that I asked you to get rid of. And so in our confusion, he did one amazing thing. And so the Hebrew writer said he sent Jesus. And so on the back of your outline, number three, our faith and rest is found in Jesus Christ. And he's like, if you're wondering how to do it, if you're wondering what it looks like, giving me your whole heart, running after the things of heaven. Just look at my son Jesus, Hebrews four fourteen through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, in other words, Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he was faced, he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Did Jesus take the path of least resistance? Was it not at the end of his life when he was like, please, Father, if there's any other way, don't make me go through this. Let it pass from me. But not by will, but it's not about what I want. Jesus didn't take the easy path, and he was compromised. The Satan came to him before he even started his ministry. Look, if you'll just bow down to me one time, I'll give you everything else you want. And he's like, I could get all the people, but I would lose the salvation of the Lord. I can't do it. I can't compromise. I can't give in. And so he just taught us, man, next week we're going to talk about this one day. When Jesus was worn out from morning to evening, he just wore himself out. And then he so told his apostles, you go ahead and leave. I need to go spend time with God. And he withdrew, went off to himself, and just spent the whole night with God. So I brought this chart. Here's this, and it's on your outline. You can take a picture of it if you want. This is how God changes us. These five things are really spiritual disciplines. And so, if you if you look up spiritual formation, if you were to type that into your computer or spiritual disciplines and what that does inside the life of someone, it really begins with this Sabbath rest. And it's not about Sabbath. Does not mean a, a certain day. It means a, it's a certain uh, time. It's it's a it's a Kairos moment. Kairos is a dedicated moment, special moment that really defines you. And so. Jesus oftentimes would work on the Sabbath, which drove the Pharisees crazy. But he was like, "It's not about the way that you think we're not supposed to work on a Saturday. It's about you being alone with God." And so, I tell you what, there's a lady who uh, I don't see Sally in our in our audience today. Um, I think she might have been here first service, but there's a lady named Sally. I, I I don't know that I've even ever seen someone who knows how to rest in the Lord as well as she does. Sally has been a member here for a long time. She used to do yoga classes for us, and that, so it was her small group. She had a two or three of them, and they were always full because people loved what she did. And she came to uh, meet me one day, and then she talked with our elders and some of our staff, and she just said, I've been studying the background of yoga, and it's not God-honoring. Its history is rooted in things other than God. Some of its poses and some of the sayings are dedicated to other spirits, other deities, and entities other than God. And she just came to the conviction that she could no longer do that because she only wanted to surrender completely to God. And so she gave up her yoga classes. But she continues to rest in the Lord. And God has been in her mind redefining how she can still exercise and rest and be still with God. And uh, she was at the Bay Center when you won the award for the community. And uh, and so I started talking with her. And she's like, I really needed the break. I really needed the rest. And I wanted to rethink how could I lead a group of people in just abiding in the Lord And she says, it's okay if we exercise and stretch, but just what I really want is to help people stop everything in their busy world and just come and be with God and just experience God and relax. And so she said, starting in January, when we do, after our 21 days of prayer, when we do our next round of small groups, she's going to lead at least one, you know group and just relaxing and abiding in the Lord and exercising. People who walk up to it would say, that's a yoga class. And she would say, no, it's not. This is God honoring. (laughs) And so if that's a beginning place for you, I would love to encourage you to do that because she will help you to be still and to just spend time alone with God. Maybe that's the beginning point for you. Here are three beginning points on the rest of your outline. Do not neglect the rest in the Lord. I love what it says here in Psalm 62. Find rest of my soul in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I just love that verse of Scripture. And so I want you to find your rest in the Lord. This is what that looks like. So you carve out some time only for God, you turn the television off. You get rid of all the distractions and all the noise, and you can even even though you're in an auditorium, in a room here with several other people, you can you can do this right now. And this is where you begin. You you just stop, and you, and you only focus on God. And you say, God, I, I need to talk with you. I, I need a conversation with you. And so He's now listening. He okay, okay, I'm here. And then. I want you to ask yourself, before you speak anymore, I want you to ask yourself, in what area of your life do you need the healing of God? So don't, don't say it out loud, but just, I want you to, in what area of your life do you need a miracle of God? Or do you need the tenderness of God? Or the forgiveness of God? Or the mercy of God? God? or the strength of the Lord. In what area of your life do you need God to insert himself so that he can bring it to a place of peace? Have you got that place in your mind? Just just think where what is that for you? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe you're facing a dilemma and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're scared about something and you need him to give you strength. Maybe it's a moral dilemma or an ethical. I don't know what it is. But, and, then, and now you can say, Lord, I need you in this area. And, and what I think I need from you, Lord, is what is it that you need God to do? in that area he'll do what he wants to do really the best question is God what do you need from me right now to help overcome in this area what do I need to submit to you what do my eyes need to be open to what do I need to do who do I need to reach out to and you, you can't do this in a busy crowded area you can't yet you have to be alone with God and just and and wrestle this out and he will meet you there and so this is going to lead you to the Word of God once you get that place then the next thing that and, and, that I do is I just sometimes I get on my computer and do it but uh, I, I'm familiar with the Word of God and so I know where to go and it's like, okay, God, speak to me. What does your word say about this area? About finances, relationships, or anger, or fear, or stress, anxiety, whatever it is. And let God's word just speak to you. Let him talk to you. And then just rest in it. Romans ten seventeen. your faith will come, will grow from the word of God. The more you plant the Word of God in your life, the stronger you will be in the Lord. And then finally, let the kindness of God lead you to repentance. I love that verse of Scripture. Romans 2 verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing, look at this, that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? God is good isn't he he's gentle he's meek he's lowly in heart you will find rest for your soul and he's waiting he said in Revelation behold I stand at the door and I knock and if you'll just open to me I will come in abide with you and you will find rest for your weary soul that's your opportunity today And we'll continue to going through these other disciplines in the Lord. But all I really want you to do today is ask, am I spending enough time with God? The answer is no, for all of us. So how can I spend more time alone with God and write it into my schedule, remember and keep it, and then let God lead me into what these areas are that he wants to bring healing?